Hello, world. Welcome back to Golf Subpar with Colt Dost and Drew Stoltz. Schlees, there was a lot of action in the world of golf this past week. We had the match. We had the QBE. By the way, a frog picked up the title. Everything's coming up purple. Well, I'm just right worried now. you might have peaked a little early. It's, I'd rather peak early than never peak. That's always been my motto. Well, Sahith Thagala and Tom Hoagie, past guest on Golf mm -hmm. Subpar, so that's another win for us as well. The Frog, they got it done over the Seagull, Charlie Hoffman and Ryan Palmer. Yeah, how about that? First rookie squad to ever come in there and get it done. No, first in 11 years. And, excuse me, 11 years. What was that, since it became the QBE or something? First rookie team, basically, to get it done. Uh, watching that final round, the caliber of putting that was going on all over that golf course, I felt like it was unbelievable. People were making it. Ryan Palmer with a new putter. Rolled the shit out of it this week. He was unbelievable. Hoagie was making putts. The Hith seems to always make putts. Uh, he was making them too. I mean, I thought just the for a final round in a tournament that's an unofficial event, it's not the biggest thing in the world. Like that was pretty. That was about as good as it's gonna get. And then the last hole, it comes down to everyone had virtually, you know, roughly the same length putt. Who's gonna hoop it? And so Hith stepped up there and did it. You know, I, and I know it's a it's a team competition. It's an exhibition technically, but like making a putt with that much pressure on the line, I think it's going to do a lot of great things for Sahith Tagala going forward. I mean, it's not if, it's it's when is he going to win. I love watching him play. He's so much There's fun. no tech. It doesn't feel like we've had him on the radio and talked to him. Like, there's not a lot of technique or technical thoughts that go on that golf swing. It's just like, hit it. If he hits it straight, if he can hit it in play, because there was a time earlier this year when we were speaking to him, he was like, I'm literally like last in driving accuracy. He's like, if I can just drive can it see in the fairway, I will be in good shape. And he, he had two good chances this past year. To pick one off, I'd be willing to bet a lot he's going to get one this year. And I think he's a guy going forward. Like, he's going to be the next kind of the next crop of like, all right, Ryder Cup, President's Cup, that kind of, you know, that kind of caliber. I'm, I'm very, very high on his game. He's just, and I, he's like probably the most likable, like becoming one of the biggest fan favorites. Nice little Christmas bonus for, yeah. For and then course. Hoagie just, yeah, everything's coming. What a year for that kid. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, shout out Tommy Boy for a big year. Wins at Pebble earlier this year, gets another one right here, even though it's unofficial. And then you got frogs rolling. Finally, purple. finally, TCU produces a decent golfer. God, it's been we're well long yeah. overdue. Don't forget J.J. Henry. Never heard of him. You know what I mean? Ryder Cupper, by the way. Oh, that. Remember that? <laughs> yeah. They wore the all-brown everything. They wore the Dwight Schrute mm -hmm. unis over there. Uh, but the, probably the, the biggest thing that happened in the game of golf this past week was the another edition of the match. Tiger Woods, Roy McIlroy against... The dream team of Justin Thomas and Jordan Spieth under the lights outside of Tampa, Pelican Golf Club. Jordan Spieth and Justin Thomas put on an absolute clinic. Yeah, I think seven birdies and ten holes, best ball. And I mean, under the lights. If I don't know if, if you have if you've ever done it or not, but putting is so hard. There's so many shadows. You can't really see the slopes the way you want to. Didn't bother Justin Thomas. Like everything's hard under like if you ever even just hit balls on like a lighted up range or something like that, or you maybe played a hole where they put them out there. It's so weird. The shadows go like every different direction. You, it's hard to take a backswing without seeing it over here or something like that. So going in, I was like, there's gonna be some weird shots more than likely. Um, but that thing, it was, it was fun. There was good. Bit. I mean, JT and Chuck probably, you know, held it all down. Uh, I got, mostly, I got a little line for that. We same. got to see Tiger, yeah. you know, out there. What'd you think of? I mean, look, I'm not gonna freak out over a 12 hole exhibition in a cart at night, but like, my takeaway from Tiger was, yeah, he's rusty. You can tell he hadn't played a whole ton of golf, but like, the speed's there. The golf swing looked good, and if he can figure out a way to get that leg walking around, I mean, the he just has to play. Like, there's no like these guys. How many times can you can you win the Masters? Like, dude, no one cannot play for a year and then show up at Augusta and, and win. Like, you just have to knock off. you got to play some competitive golf. The walking concerns me. I mean, the limp did not look good. The swing looked fine. I will hate on 
the TV coverage for a second because I, I think uh oh no no it's not the network it's just it's I think just everyone in general they juice up these track man numbers right before they were getting ready to go Tiger hits a driver and it said one eighty two one eighty two was the first one and I was every, like stop it this can't be I'm like. Justin Thomas is out there, you know, typically when we see him, he's like one mid 170. If he gasses one, you know, that, that's Rory. That's Rory numbers. Who's the best driver in the, on the planet. He and Rom, I would say, and one of the longest. And I'm like, Tiger just came off all this stuff. And now he's at 182. On the am driving I, am I to believe that? Yeah, on, on the, the driving range, not even juiced up yet. And then on the golf course you saw, I mean, he got, I think his fastest was 176 maybe. You heard Justin say they were playing together last week at home or the week before and tiger did get it over 180 but i'm like on the range like that he did not look like he went at it hard and it pops up 182 and i just started laughing That's i was like I, can we please stop juicing this so the people at home who actually go out on a track man and their ball speed's 141 and, and he's like, like wait a second i'm 36 36 yeah. miles an hour behind this guy are you yeah. serious the first one is the exact same one i saw too i was like really yeah 182 on the range right now not even going just kind of getting the rhythm i was like this feels like but it was it was great to see tiger back numbers. it's going to be a lot of fun this week the pnc going at it with his son charlie by the way who's grown so much in the past year and he looks like he lives in the gym with tiger i don't know where they're going to tee charlie off from if they have special charlie tees or not but tiger ain't going to need to pull out that driver at all this week if charlie hits it. a golf swing don't want to freak out over 12 year old kids golf swing or whatever but it god damn it looks just like rory's he is going to be – I mean, he's going to steal the show, but it's a great field. I mean, you've got Jordan and Sean Spieth playing – Jordan's playing with his dad, Justin and Mike Thomas, the Dailies, mm -hmm. the Woods. Uh, I mean, it's going to be so much fun to watch. I believe I can't remember which Corda is playing with her dad, but Neither. Nelly Corda stole the show at the QBE. She was phenomenal. She was, you had Kevin Kisner calling her the Tiger Woods of the she LPGA She like she was tour. hooping it from everywhere. 18 was a hybrid she hit in there. Damn, that went in. Yeah, it hurt that golf, that golf swing – Nice. I'm going to start swinging like that. You should. Yeah. I always change. It was Xander for a while. It's not working for me. I'm going, I'm going quarter now. The best thing you can do is have a nice bottle of Dewar's, then go to the range, and you'll be back. Of course. And then i just be me. Well, you reserve your tea time ahead of time. You plan out every hole like a mission. In golf, you're always a step ahead. But holidays, birthdays, and other occasions always seem to sneak up on you. Then you're in a rush to buy a gift. Get ahead of the game with Dewar's Scotch Whiskey. Order customized labels or personalized bottles of Dewar's 12, 15, or 18-year now for the people on your list. Visit Dewar's.com and get your shopping done. Get it off your plate, then spend more time playing golf. While you're on Dewar's.com, explore the entire Dewar's portfolio for a whiskey to enjoy after a round, over the holidays, or relaxing at home. And please enjoy Dewar's responsibly. I know this is going to be a po very popular Christmas item at, As the, it at the Sleaze be. household. As it should be. Oh, trust me. Papa's going to be drinking good. For a while. I'm not sure. I was listening to the beginning of that. I'm not sure I plan out every hole like a mission. You know? You don't plan out much. There's not a lot of... I'm not only called a mission on every hole. It just kind of... Whatever happens, happens. We'll figure it out. All right. Well, it's time for the Doers Cheers moment of the week. And I'm going to give a big cheers to Justin Thomas and Charles Barkley. You kind of mentioned it a little bit earlier. They have to be on these matches. Yeah. Justin Thomas is one of the few guys... I'll throw Kevin Kisner in there. Max Homa as well, who I think should be involved at some point. Justin Thomas isn't afraid... You know, to to throw some shots out there at people. He's not scared to ruin his his brand or anything like that. And then you got Charles Barkley. Them going at it was my favorite part of the match. I would love to be on that broadcast just to help stir the pot a little bit. You know, Tiger's there. He doesn't say a whole lot. He doesn't have to. Like, he doesn't no have one to. expects him to either, by the way. He That's doesn't. not his role. But early on, you right before they teed off, they were congratulating Justin Thomas on getting married. And he's yeah, like, yeah, how was it all this? He's like, dude, it was so much fun. It was seriously the best night of my life. I wish I could do it again. 
And Charles goes, well, man, you're pretty young. You probably are going to get to do it again. <laughs> we get another, don't worry, man. You might get another crack and at JT's it. JT's like, really, man? That's, that's, that's and, a low blow. And there's one that Chuck could get away with. Yes, you know of what course. I mean? Trevor says that. Probably not going to land as much. Could be some rumblings. Chuck says it. People laugh and forget about it. That's why Chuck's the best. And then JT throwing, Chuck's looking at that moon like an Oreo yeah. right now. <laughs> I, mean, I don't know why those, I like you. Those yeah. two always got to be on on these things to make it entertaining. JT has become the new, like now that Phil's not, like Phil would carry it. Right. And sometimes maybe you could say it was too much, but he'd talk you all the way through a chip shot, something like that. Then he'd toss it back to Charles or somebody else in the tower and like keep the band, like at least keep the conversation going. Like that's that's JT now. I don't think you'll see another one as long as he wants to keep playing them where he's not involved because there's not that many dudes that can do that. No, honestly. I mean, you, you saw the camera picked up. JT had a Coors Light in the cup holder, like having a couple pops during it. It's supposed to be fun, it's for a great cause. And then afterwards, him and Jordan post the video. What happened? Yeah. You lost to us? Everybody us does. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Those two, I mean, that's a they team. They should be friends, those two. They should. They should get to know each other. But in their whole team career, they've lost two matches. They were, they're were they a team, like, you hate to play against them on Tuesdays and practice round. They just feed off each other so well. Mostly, I think, because they want to beat each other. They want to be the star of the show on the team, and they just... It took some turns. They too. destroy. They it destroy took some turns. And their banter, like they played so many. They all know that you know it just plays like a routine. Hate to see like, it. Yeah, exactly. All the little sayings and stuff. Uh, all right, I'm gonna. I just audible out of my cheers moment of the week. Thought about a new one. We were just down in Cabo, lucky enough to go down there and play the Pros and Joes, which is a. It's about as full of a send of a golf tournament nice as there is. Golf tournament. One of the cool things they do that I've never done or seen before at a golf tournament is the night before home run derby. You sign up if you want to. You're not forced to. They put it in a pitching machine. I don't know how far it goes, but you got a bunch of golfers out there trying to hit bombs over a real fence. But I showed up. I was like, no one's hit it over this thing, but you do. And uh, got to see some terrible baseball swings from some very good golfers, which was fun. My favorite being my son, Wyndham Clark, who was talking a lot of shit before. I was like, I've signed up. I'm signing you up, too. You're going to go. We're going to go. I hit one bomb. By the way, it would have been in the Cove in San Francisco. Squared one up, got it way over the yard. Wyndham gets up talking a lot of shit about what he's going to hit. I don't think he got one out of the infield. Most of them were foul balls back into the backstop. And I videoed damn near every swing, and I have it for forever, and it was awesome. There's also some tour players that were pretty damn good. Will Gordon hit some yaks. Hit some some yaks. Who else was decent? First off, talk about being on video. If anybody out there has it, I need your antics while you're at the plate. I mean, you you're bat twirling before you even the pitch no, even yeah, comes. I didn't realize I was doing that. Someone oh, showed me. You did one, not do, know you were doing that. I take after Gary Sheffield. Oh a lot of God. movement up there. I think that's why I wasn't. There was more in the speed air. in that than there was going through the. I was ready to hit, dude. God, it was ready great. to fire. That thing's that thing's fun though. Yeah, it takes a little bit of balls up, get up there and embarrass yourself. Um, but that's what you do. Yeah, but man, my shout son out to, sucks. Shout out to everyone at El Dorado. What a special place that was. A lot of fun, and no surprise, the rock forms were blaring down there at El Dorado. Everywhere, dude. People get it down there. What more can we say about this thing? We talk about it every week, but coming up, holiday season, if you got a friend that's a golfer or just anybody that enjoys music, get your rock form. We've talked about the magnets. They grip to the cart. They never let go. The battery life is a thing we tout the most. It is incredible. I pulled one out once I got back, Colt, that I had used from before, and I was like, damn, it's been a few weeks maybe since I used this thing. It worked. Still had it, still had juice, used it out there, waterproof, drop proof, all the stuff. I mean, we love the things, and they're they're everywhere now. As they should be. Yeah. Like I said, waterproof, the magnet, it's not going to bounce anywhere off your cart. You can get two of them, you can pair it together. Listen, let's just face it, the game of golf is changing. 
It's El Dorado gets it. T-shirt, shorts, music, because we are not going to be quiet anymore. Um, I'll tell you what I saw. Speaking on the like how durable it is, I saw someone who had a certain brand of speaker resting on the little crack in the top of their cart. Right, they drive around or whatever. Well, they got to the range and they were taken off and went over a bump as you do like the little curb. It goes out. Thing fell. Couldn't tell. I was a little bit of ways away. It looked like it broke to shit right mm, there. Tough and I break. Said, you know what? You get yourself a rock form. That doesn't happen. Would not happen with a rock form. That mm -hmm. thing would it, it bounce. You'd pick it up. Pick it up. Keep going. Higher turn, love. Turn Whitney on. Yeah, let's crank go. it up. Let's go. All right. Well, make sure you go to rockform.com. That's R-O-K-F-O-R-M.com. And we got a fresh code for you, SUBROCK25, that's S-U-B-R-O-K-25, for 25% off your entire order. Perfect for the holidays. Scoop and All right. score. Our guest, and we'll get to it later on, but this is our last guest mm -hmm. of 2022, an absolute legend, one of the best to ever do it, loves his golf, Ozzy Smith, the wizard, joins us. We're using it, we use the term legend a lot these days, a lot of people do. This is a real one. This dude... I played baseball till I was like 10, as you could tell in the home run derby. And this was my guy. Saw him play one time, want to see the backflip, all that stuff. And then getting a chance to meet him and talk to him. They're not, they're not a nicer guy. Zero, zero ego all from right. a guy that's one of the best. Well, judge for yourself. Here's Ozzy Smith on Golf Subpar. Okay, folks, we have a special dude with us here today. He's done it all. He's a World Series champ, 15-time All-Star, 13-time Gold Glove winner, one of the best shortstops in the history of baseball. Also one of the best nicknames, The Wizard. Ozzy Smith is with us from outside, I see. How we doing, Oz? I'm doing great, man. Just finished working out and, and stuff, and actually it feels pretty nice. Now, they told me it's pretty chilly there in, uh, in Scottsdale as well. I went to bed in Scottsdale and woke up in Scotland. It's 40 and raining. It looks nicer in St. Louis right now. Well, we don't have any rain, but it's uh, it's a little overcast. But my, my cutoff is 50, you know, so if, if we can squeeze, if I can squeeze like eight more degrees out here, I might go out and try and hit something today. Wow. Oh, wow. So Colt and I were going to go for our typical morning workout this morning, but too cold, dude. We couldn't do it. Roads are all wet. You know, safety. It's first. dangerous out here. Yeah. We, but Sleaze, Sleaze mentioned your nickname, The Wizard. First off, I mean, obviously it goes very well with, with how your name is, but who's the first person that ever called you that? You know what? It's hard to, uh, it, it's hard to put my finger on exactly when that started but you know because baseball we, we shorten everybody's name you know it's Oz it's my, my real name is Osborne and so my friends started calling me Oz and of course with the Wizard of Oz and all of that you know and and I guess with the way that I played now basketball is really what I excelled at in high school and so I, I guess with some of the stuff that I did that that's I, I would guess that that's where it started and it just uh, it just carried on uh, the rest of my life. So you're better at basketball than baseball early on. I wouldn't say better. Um, it's it it certainly has worked out better. Baseball has certainly worked out better than basketball would have. But uh, you know, it was the thing that I enjoyed in in high school. And Eddie Murray and I played together in high school. We probably played more basketball than we did baseball. I saw that. You know, we'll launch right into the baseball stuff. You went to Cal Poly to play baseball. I read that it, it was as a walk on. You had an academic scholarship there. Walked onto the baseball team. Was recruiting services just Terrible back then that nobody saw you or like this kid's special. That's right. Did you know when uh, when they came to scout uh, our high school team? You know Eddie Murray was the guy that that did everything. I mean he, he pitched, he caught, uh, he could hit for power, he could hit for average. You know, so here was this hundred and forty five, hundred fifty pound shortstop that they never really took a look at. And you know, size has always played a big part in in in, in today's world. I'm not sure that a 
prototypical shortstop like myself would even get drafted, you know, because they're looking for those guys who can hit the ball out of the ballpark and stuff. And, and from that standpoint, I don't think things have, have really changed. Um, they're always looking for that big guy who has some athletic ability and uh, they're willing to forego some defense for offense that guys are able to, to generate. Yeah. And you, you mentioned, you know, getting, you wouldn't might not get drafted in today's world, but you got drafted first off by the Detroit Tigers, which is a rather interesting story. Can you tell us about your negotiating tactics with the Detroit Tigers? <laughs> yeah. You know, um, I played uh, semi-pro baseball in a little small town called Clarinda, Iowa. What would happen is after our college season, they would send us out to places to play to hopefully uh, help, um, help, help you develop as a player and uh, hopefully as a person as well. And I went to a little small town called Clarinda, Iowa. Uh, I spent a couple years there, and in 1976, I get drafted by the Detroit Tigers. The same year, Alan Trammell, Lou Whitaker, and I think it was Jack Morris were drafted. And I finished three years of my schooling. I promised my mom that I would get my education, and they offered me $8,500. And I said, well, you know, if they don't pay me at least ten grand, they are not going to take a real good look at me. So in my infinite wisdom, I went back and I said, you know, if you give me another $1,500, i will I'll take the gamble. And... Uh, they said they didn't have it in the budget. So I went back to school in hopes of getting drafted my senior year, which I did by the San Diego Padres. And being a good businessman that I am, guys, I signed for $5,000 and a bus ticket to Walla Walla, Washington, where I started my professional career. That sounds like our negotiations with our yeah. podcast contractor. Yeah. You know, I need 10 or nothing. All right, no deal. All right, I'll take five. Forget it, I'll take five. I'll take less than the initial offer. But that was when it. You you know, and stuff, and I tell kids all the time that, uh, when you see guys that have made it to the professional ranks, the, the road there is different for everybody. And everybody that has made it weren't bonus babies. And I certainly was not that. And I'm not the only one that that, that happened to. There are a lot of guys that, you know, end up um, gambling on themselves, pretty much like Aaron Judge did this year. You know, you, you believe in yourself and, and your ability to 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 do what it is you do. And, and you and you go out there and and you perform under the pressure. And um, that's what basically what I had to do. I had to prove myself. And uh, it was nothing new for me because being a small guy, you really have to prove yourself over and over again. And, and uh, so I did. Have you talked to anyone, I'm sure, throughout the years from the Tigers organization? That's got to be one of their biggest like regrets. Like we just could have pointed up 1,500 more and we'd had Ozzy. Well, you know what? I, I think that they they did pretty well with Allen and Lou. They ended up being um, one of the longest uh, combinations in, in baseball history, you know. So I, I think it worked out well for them. Um, you know, it, it would have been fun to see exactly how that would have played out. But, you know, I think it worked out well for everybody. And I, I don't think that they were um, that they had any regrets with the drafts that they made. Yeah, it did. it did work out well for everybody. You, you mentioned Aaron Judge, who just signed for nine years, $360 million. Bet on himself a little bit. What are your thoughts when you hear about these contracts nowadays compared to, you know, what you made back when you were playing? Well, you know, of course, you know, you say you wish you were playing today, you know, um, because it, it it is flowing so, so freely and so easy now. And I think that you know, when you when you look around at some of the guys that I had the opportunity to play with, you you can't help but say, you know, what was somebody like that? What would it be his worth today? And that's not to take anything away from the guys today. But, you know, I play with some pretty good players and uh, against some pretty good players as well. You know, so I guess everything is relative um, in our day and 
in in time. I, I guess we got paid the top dollar and I, I'm not sure that we've reached the ceiling yet. You know, when you look at some of these contracts back in the 1978, 79, I think when we had the strike, you know, I thought we had reached the ceiling, but uh, I'm not sure that we have reached the ceiling because uh, they just keep getting bigger and bigger. What was your biggest contract you signed? You had? It was uh, the last couple years of my uh, of my career were I, I think I was right at three million dollars. Wow! And I that was right for that. That's incredible. That was, now Aaron Judge makes forty. That's a, that's oh. like every home every two games. I'm like there you go. Here's your three. You got it. what, Ozzy? What do you think about just the state of baseball right now? Like the game itself. We talked to NFL players about when they played versus now NBA players. Same thing. Everyone tends to think the game gets softer and is a little bit worse. I think from when from their era. Do you feel like that in baseball too? Well, you know, back in my day, uh, you know, you were you were fair game around second base. You know, it was a guy's job to come in there and break up the double play, which I understood as long as a guy was doing it cleanly, um, had no problem with it. And now. You can't touch the guy at second base. You got to give the guy a lane at home plate. You know, so from that standpoint, yes, it has softened. Um, of course, none of us want to see anybody get hurt, but it's part of what we do. You know, it's, it's part of the risk that we run when we when we get out there. And, and if the game is on the line, say you're playing in the seventh game of the World Series and a guy's trying to turn the double play, and I shouldn't make it easy for him to turn the double play. And and that that's basically what we've done. You know, you, you can't be touched at second base, and um, you, you got to be able to touch a bag. And, and now we're talking about making the bag bigger too. So, um, yeah, things have changed, and, and it's those little things like that that I think that have uh, have really uh, haven't having an impact on the game. I know we're probably going to get to talking about shifts and – all of that stuff as well. You know, I think that, you know, personally, when, when we talk about shifts back in the day, we didn't really shift. We just, we just kind of, um, we, we played slight pull or, or whatever, because I think that in, in the long run, you end up taking yourself out of a play more than you put yourself in a play. And as a player, if they, I took it, I would take it personally, or, or the guys that I played with a generation, would take it personally if they said, I'm going to put everybody on this side of the field because we don't believe you can hit the ball the other way. Um, that's where pride and all of that stuff comes into play. I, I'd spend a lot of time getting to the ballpark early, working on hitting the ball the other way if, in fact, they were going to play me a certain way. Before we get back to the great Ozzie Smith, once again, you got to go to the golf.com pro shop, pick you up some birdie juice merch. It's Christmas. It's the holiday season. Everyone loves them some good birdie juice merch. You got the hats, the tumblers, the hoodies, everything. And right now, everything is 20% off. No, co no code needed. At checkout, automatic 20% off. Golf.com Pro Shop. Go get it now. Back to Ozzie Smith. I mean, you, you look at the game now, and it's, it's all about analytics, especially when you get to the playoffs in the World Series. Like, it's crazy. A pitcher can be absolutely killing it for five innings, have a shutout, nothing. All of a sudden, the analytics guy says, oh, we need to take him out. Was that ever even a thought back in your day? No, 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 no. You know, back in the day and even before, um, you know, back in Bob Gibson and those guys' days, even when they had a, a great year, there was no guarantee that they were going to get a raise. You know, so when a guy told the slab, he was going – he, he was there to go to distance. And there were some games when I was growing up in L.A., there were some games where a pitcher, two pitchers, a, a real pitcher's duel was, you know, could go 14, 15 innings. You know, it was 0-0 in the 14th, the 15th inning. I can remember Vin Scully 
calling a game uh, one time where it was it, it was 12 12 I mean zero zero in the 12th inning you know so um, today you know a guy's throwing a no hitter through six and they pull him out and, um, it's, it's just it's you know, crazy what would the pitcher have done in your era if he had a no-no going and going into the seventh? They're like, hey, you hit your 83 pitches. That was your max count today. We're going to yank you. The guy would have gone crazy, wouldn't he? Yeah, right. He would have gone nuts. You know, I'm not coming yeah. out. No, I got a chance. I got a chance to make history. And I'm not so sure that making history is it is that important anymore. That's a good, that's a good point. But uh, Ozzy, you were one of, if not the best defensive shortstop the game has ever seen. Is there a guy in today's Major League Baseball that kind of reminds you of you? You know, uh, you know, we talked about this earlier, prototypical, you know, they don't have a lot of prototypical. The guy that was, um, was Omar Vizquel in the American League. Mm. You know, he was my counterpart. And, you know, you had plenty of guys, you know, Larry Bull was one of those, those, those guys. Back in the day, it was all about guys who could cover ground. Uh, they weren't, they didn't have to be guys that hit the ball out of ballpark, but I think that, you know, Cal, um, Alex Rodriguez and those guys start proving that, you know, they could play the position very consistently and um, and put up big numbers. And I, I think that was the impetus for giving bigger guys the opportunity to play the position. I think you have a gift. I think it's fair to say, along with a lot of the other great athletes in their sport, that just you're born with something special that a lot of other people don't have. But I was reading about how you you worked on your reflexes as a kid, like throwing a ball against, I think it was the steps or something like that. Can you talk about what you did as a kid that gave you kind of your quick twitch? Well, you know, here again, I, I, I think that when, when I was growing up, um, we spent a lot of time outside and, uh, you know, a lot of time by, by yourself. My bro I had four brothers, but none of them were really into sports and stuff. So uh, I had to be creative. Um, I had a, a peak roof, you know, and show you how dumb I was as a kid. I used to throw the ball up on one side and try and run around to the other side, hoping that it hits the gutter and, and allow me to catch it before it hit the ground. And it was things like that as I got older that I realized that it was crazy and it was stupid and I was never able to get there in time. But it was because of things like that, uh, that type of determination that made me the player that I ultimately became. I used to throw the ball against the steps and just um, – you know, continuing to work on my hand and eye coordination, which I was born with. I used to lay on the floor and throw the ball up and close my eyes to get the feel of the ball hitting the glove without seeing it, not knowing that that was enhancing a skill that I already had. And so many times when, um, you know, when, when there was a play, it, it, it becomes very reactionary. And you know that you're probably going to be a better player operating in your subconscious mind than, than conscious. And, and so a lot of the things that I did were just, they were automatic. It just it just happened because of the little things that I did as a kid growing up that helped enhance something that I was born with. I threw the ball over my house one time, and then about four hours later, my mom told me to go pick it up. Hey, there's still the balls <laughs> over there. You, you lost your ball. <laughs> I saw it later. Oh, yeah. I was like, yeah, I'm not going to get that. I That's took too a far. nap. I forgot about yeah. that ball. How about, what about, I mean, what, other than being probably the best defensive shortstop ever to play, the other thing you're very well known for is the backflip. Also reading about how you came up with that as a kid. Can you talk about that and also the first time you decided to debut that thing? Well, you know, here again, spending a lot of time outside. You know, we didn't we, we didn't have phones and all of that stuff, you know. So uh, we had to be creative in the way that we went about the things that we did. And uh, we love sports. And I lived across the street from where they used to build pallets. And so there was always plenty of sawdust. So we as kids used to go over and 
we'd get these old tires and uh, patch the um, the inner tube up. And my brothers or, or friends would sit on the side and we use that as kind of a springboard and we'd flip into the sawdust. And then on Thursdays, we'd go to Family Fun Center where they had trampolines in the ground. And so we just kind of taught ourselves how to tumble. And then when I signed in, um, uh, with the Padres and, and um, my first big league camp, 1978, we had to run a couple miles after we finished working out, which I wasn't very fond of. Uh, I was at the back of the pack and the guys gave me a hard time about being a young guy at the back of the pack. So to show them I wasn't tired, I did my round off backflips and I had pretty good hops at the time. And uh, Gene Tennis, who was a teammate, had girls that were involved in gymnastics and he wanted me to show them that I could do that at some point in time during the season, which I wasn't able to do. So the final day of the season, which was Fan Appreciation Day, he and the PR guy thought it would be a good idea for me to do it going out to my position. Well, I was reluctant to do it because in San Diego, the entertainment was the chicken. And I didn't want it, I didn't want it to appear that I was trying to show up the chicken. Uh, I reluctantly did it. People liked it so much, they asked me to do it opening day the following year. And lo and behold, a trademark was born. I mean, you got to respect the chicken. I, yeah, I, I get it. The chicken was special, you know. <laughs> he was uh, he was. He was the entertainment, and that was one of the that was one of the highlights for me. Um, you know, having the chance to start my career there in San Diego because, you know, I got to see the rebirth of the chicken as well. Because I think he started out as a radio personality, and then uh, Ted Giannullis went out on his own and created this um, this character that I think started all of the different characters all, all throughout sports. Um, he was that he was that entertaining. You know, I, I was interested to hear the first time you did it because I figured you just went out there and did it on your own and some manager almost had a heart attack, I'm sure, when you went flying through the air. <laughs> no, uh, you know, people always ask me, did, was I ever afraid of not making it? And uh, as a kid, I mean, I built up so so much confidence that I, if I didn't feel that I could do it, I, I would have never done it. But, um, you know, I had pretty good leaps. It got lower and lower as the years went on, you know, <laughs> I, at night in in 1996, I think my last one, you know, uh, you saw me have to put my hands down. <laughs> the spring was gone. I was going to ask when the last one you ever did was. Uh, well, the very last one was done in uh, 2002, and I did it up at the Hall of Fame. And on my first pass, I pulled a calf muscle. It was ugly. It, it was ugly. <laughs> it, it, it was bad. Still doing it, though, at that at uh, 2002. I mean, that's uh, you got to be one of the oldest dudes I think to probably ever attempt to do a backflip. I remember going and watching you as a kid, by the way, and that was like my biggest thing was like, when I, I got to see the backflip, got to see the back. That was the whole thing, you know. That's the only time Sleaze has ever been on time was there to get there in the first. Yeah, place I was like, we can't miss, <laughs> we can't miss a winning pitch. I got to see Oz do the flip. Yeah. Uh, well, I know you're passionate about your golf. We got to talk a little bit about about your golf. We got to meet down here at the Holiday Classic. Um, in Scottsdale met several years ago, but tell me, tell us, how did you first get into golf? What age were you and how did it all happen? I never, as a kid, I never picked up a golf club. Uh, golf was never entries. You know, I grew up in South central Los Angeles and uh, it was baseball, basketball, or football. And so golf was never that, 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 that thing for any of us, uh, me or Eddie. And um, it was 19, I'm going to say it was 19, um, it was the late 80s. Whitey Herzog had a tournament, and I have a friend here that got me involved. He said, we're going to have a tournament uh, in a couple days, and we'd like you to hit the hit the ball off the tee, the, the, the first tee. And I said, nah, 
you know what? I've never played golf. He said, well, come out and we'll hit some balls. And if you're not comfortable, we, we, you know, we, we won't do it. So I went out and a couple days early and, and I hit some balls and, you know, he gave me the, the basics and the, and the fundamentals, you know, as an athlete, I love the process and that process continues today. Um, knowing that I will never perfect it, but getting it to a point of consistency where I know what it is that I'm trying to, to achieve. And uh, this guy was an old pro by the name of Mike Murphy. And uh, he was running White Results Golf Tournament. And uh, we went out, we hit some balls. And uh, I got comfortable enough to where I felt that I wasn't going to kill somebody off of the first tee. <laughs> so uh, I went out in a couple of days and I hit it and it, and, and it went down the middle. And that was the that was it. You know, uh, you know, when you hit that, hit it good and uh, and stuff. And I, I was I've been hooked ever since. And I've been a part of the process of trying to get better at, at working, teaching myself how to get more square than open or close. And uh, one of the toughest things is because the ball is sitting still, you know, as a baseball player, it's it, all your it, your timing and everything is off of the pitcher when he gets to this point. But in golf, you have to generate all of that yourself. And I think that's been part of the challenge. And for anybody who's played any sport for 15, 20 years, um, there's a competitive void in your life after you're done. And so golf fills that competitive void because I'm competing, first of all, against myself, competing against the course and the people that you play against. And uh, I, 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 as I said, I love the process of trying to figure it out, you know, when when I got other things on my mind, it's golf that I can go downstairs and hit hit uh, on the simulator. To it's real relaxing. I, no one ever perfects golf, like you said. But where are you right now, handicap wise, for everybody listening? I'm, you know, I'm I'm right at a four, and I'm at that stage of where you know chipping a little bit better and putting a little bit better is is the thing that's going to make it uh, more fun for me. Uh, um, People ask me, you know, you don't you want to try and get on the tour? No, I don't need that stress. You know, I just I just want to be able to go out and have fun and, and enjoy it with my friends and play like uh, the holiday classic that we play in. There's some wonderful events that I have a chance to play in. And I played up in Tahoe for 11 years. Um, and it's just uh, it's just fun. It's just being able to, to to get myself to a position where I don't embarrass myself when I'm out there playing. You yeah, good you goal. Yeah, you mentioned Tahoe, though. I mean, here you are. You play in front of packed stadiums, playing baseball all the time. What are the nerves like for Ozzie Smith when he steps on the first tee at Tahoe with a lot of people out there watching? Well, Cole, you know that people expect you because you're a professional athlete. They expect you to be able to do it and, and do it well. And, you know, golf's not easy. It's, it's not easy to go out there and, and hit the ball exactly where you want to, especially when you have to create everything yourself after coming uh, from a sport where the pitcher generates all of the, the, the momentum and stuff for you. So, yeah, it's, it, it, was, it was scary, but that's part of the challenge, too, you know, to get to that point to where there's some comfortability at, at, at going out there and being able to perform uh, on that stage. And uh, that'll be the challenge until I can't play anymore. Yeah, it's funny seeing some of those celebs out there that have been in the either packed stadiums or packed arenas, singing, performing, whatever they do. They get up on that first tee, and you all of a sudden they, they look vulnerable for you know, the first time, and it's funny to watch. You know, you know what's tough for a, a lot of us, for me anyway, is the quiet. It gets too quiet. Mm -hmm. 
you know, we're used to the noise and, and stuff. And I tell people, you know, uh, it, it always it always amazed me. The guy goes, man, you were talking in my backswing. You know, you got 50,000 people <laughs> yelling at you when you're playing. And and now, you know, somebody talking in your backswing is the reason you hit the ball bad. You know, uh, that doesn't noise doesn't bother me. As a matter of fact, if I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing, then then that that doesn't distract me at all. I like that. I like that. Give us some of your, your favorite courses you've played and maybe some that you haven't yet. Well, you know, one of my favorite one, uh, favorite courses is, uh, playing down. I got a chance to play Augusta national three times. I have a buddy of mine from Augusta that, um, has was fortunate enough. I was able to uh, do some things for the boys and girls club down there and, and, and gotten a, a chance to play there. I love Sage Valley. Um, that's one of my favorite, uh, walking courses. Um, I love Shadow Creek. Um, oh, mm-hmm. Yes. It's a beauty. Um, playing in, at Pebble, you know, um, Pebble's beautiful, but I like the other courses. Some of the other courses around there are a, a little bit interesting. Views at Pebble, but uh, some of the other courses around there are, 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 are fun to play. And, um, you know, where else have I played? Having to play in Colorado, you know, played at, at uh, in, in Boulder and ball flies there, you know, it makes you feel like Superman there. Uh, and then of course, Arizona, you know, whisper rock is, is one of my favorites. And is there, is there a place you haven't played yet that you really want to? Cause I bet we could probably make it happen. Um, I've never played Cypress point. Can you believe that? Never played. And, uh, it's, uh, it's special. I hear so many people talk about that, but I, I have had a chance to play a place called, um, Tara um, which is in New Zealand. You know, I had a chance to do it years ago and, and, and that was a lot of fun. And, um, it's, you know, playing in Scotland, of course, I played the old course and I played the new course. So I've been very fortunate since I retired to have had the opportunity to play some, some, some pretty nice courses and, you know, looking forward to playing them again. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you got a hell of a lineup there. And you playing some of the like the pro am stuff too. I know you play the BMW mm-hmm. charity pro am on, on the Corn Ferry tour. Are there any pros you've gotten to know or, or gotten to play with and kind of developed a relationship with over, over the years? Oh yeah. I've gotten to play with you know, Jim Furick is a super, super guy. I used to go to his tournament all the time and uh just a wonderful person. I've had a chance to play with Jim Thorpe. I've had a chance to play with Jack Nicholas. I've had a chance to play with uh Tom Watson. Um it's just, I, I mean, it's just been Annika Sorenstam. Um, who else have I played with? Um, oh, those are the names that just kind of jump out at you that I've had a chance to spend some time around and, and watch. And there's always something to learn from, from players of their caliber, you know, at, at learning if it's just tempo or, or, or speed or, or, you know, learning how to stay back and um, uh, positioning where, where to put the ball. So, um, that's where I pick up a lot of the stuff that, that, that I know I, you know, I watched you the other day, Colt, by the way, we play the same clubs. So I know I'm on the right track. You know, we those, do. <laughs> those Shout real- out Callaway for those great clubs. Great. Ozzie, when you play with those guys, like you mentioned, like Jack and Annika, so, do you find that like the whole time you're playing, you want to ask them golf questions the entire time. And then they want to ask you baseball stuff the whole time. Yeah, we do. Um, you know, we do talk, we talk the sport. And then we talked the other sport, um, you know, like when I was with Annika, you know, she, she wanted to know a lot about baseball and all of the little intricacies 
of it. And of course me watching her swing. I mean, that's, that to me is a different swing. So easy and so smooth. And the ball seems to go so much further, you know, with that easy swing, because as guys, you know, we, it's hard not to get muscle in there sometimes, you know, especially when you have to, uh, you, you got a long distance or uh, a distance that, that you're not comfortable with, you know, you have a tendency to, to tighten up and swing harder when it, it, it should be just the opposite. You know, you should be relaxing a little bit more and, and, and letting it fly off the club. No doubt about it. Are you, are you a guy that enjoys watching golf on TV when you're not playing? Uh, yeah, I do because, you know, there's so many different, d- different styles, you know, in baseball, you know, some guys start here, some guys are down here and, and it's, it's fun watching guys, um, you know, the different, different styles that they have out there now, you know, the, the, the kinks and I'm always looking for the thing that, that gets a guy going, you know, how, how he develops his tempo and his rhythm. And, uh, it's a lot of weird, a lot of weird things out there and people have different swings, but that's the way it is because we're not all built the same way. And, and I've heard, I think it was Lee Trevino that said, that, you know, in, uh, with some guys, it looks like they're all robots and we're all tr- trying to teach the guys all the same way. Well, it's hard when you have, everybody has different bodies to be able to teach them the same way. And that's why the process for me is always so much fun, you know, because, you know, I may come out today and if I slept wrong last night, you know, it, it, the swing that I had yesterday, it may be different today, you know, so you've got to be able to figure those things out. And I think that's what makes the game so fascinating is, is, is guys who have the ability if things aren't going well. And I guess impro- improvisation is, is probably the best word for it, being able to improv, um, improvise today with what you have to work with. And, and if you can win with that, then, you know, that's somebody that, uh, that has that special talent. Yeah, it's a beautiful game, crazy game. Drives us also, all nuts. yeah, drives you freaking insane. Ozzy, you you could bat from both sides of the plate when you were playing. When you first picked up golf, could you hit it from both sides, or can you still hit it from both sides? You can, but there's not the same comfortability on my left side as it is on my right. I'm a natural right hander, so it's a little tougher left handed getting to that point to where there's some consistency. Now, I think that we, if you're a switch hitter, you do it for those special situations where you got a tree or something in, in your line and, and, and stuff, but to be able to do it consistently, I could not. Yeah. I'm with you on that. I'm, I look absolutely ridiculous trying to hit a ball left-handed. Some dudes that are good though. Like, yeah, there are some guys that could just go, let me ask you this one, one question. Cause you said you picked up golf after kind of you got done playing baseball when you were playing and like nowadays these pitchers, Mm-hmm. When they go on road trips, they're bringing their clubs and they're out there playing because they only work once every five days or whatever. Were they doing that when you were playing? No, there were very few guys that uh, that did that. I, I think that that's been part of the, the generational change, you know, um, as we've gone along. Uh, they've been a little bit more lenient at letting guys, um, you know, play golf uh, on the road. But when we were playing, it was all about the business of baseball and, you know, working hard to um, – to make sure that you were ready to be and prepared every day. And um, that sometimes could be a distraction if you were involved in, uh, in another sport. These pitchers, yeah. they got it. So 300 easy. million and you can bring your sticks. <laughs> Does that work for you? Yeah. And then only throw five innings, you know? Yeah. yeah and, and we're going to stop you at 80 pitches. Yeah. You think this, do you think that's a deal you could, you could be okay with? That's a pretty yeah. nice thing. Yeah. No kidding. All right, Ozzy. Well, we, we do this with everyone. We, we do an emergency nine segment, just nine fun questions to get to know you a little better. And we ask this to everyone. 
You can trade lives with anyone. Be them for a day. They can be dead or alive. Just get to experience their life for a day. Who would it be? They are uh, dead or alive. Um, it, it can be anybody. Anybody. Um, I don't know. The the greatest Muhammad Ali probably. Um, you know, I, I think that this was a he was a person that kind of changed. He changed. He he changed the way we look at the the world. You know, at one time he was one of the most hated people in the world, but he became the greatest. And uh, you know, I think that would that would have been fun. That's I like that answer. That's, that's a, a very that's a good. Very, that's a first. That might us. be the first. And another person with a tremendous nickname. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the one that could rival the wizard. You know what I mean? Go from the wizard to the greatest. That's a good lineup. All right, I'll give you this one, Oz, because I. I routed off your resume at the beginning. You've done virtually everything you can do in baseball. What would you say is your greatest golf accomplishment to this point? Well, you know, was three, four weeks ago, but it's been longer than that. You know, anytime you can shoot in the 60s, and that's that's been my goal, you know, to 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 have at least one or two rounds in the 60s during the course of a golf season. And uh, I was able to do that two times this year, you know, so that was that that was pretty special. Nice. I like that. One of mine was, what what's what's the higher number, your jersey number or the amount of holes in one you have? Uh, well, I don't have a. <laughs> my number was one. I don't have a one. <laughs> so, oh no! Uh, I thought that was going to be a fish. Uh, be a tie. One, <laughs> isn't that something? All right, we got to get above that you jersey number at some point. You got to play the holiday classic more. They need five holiday classics a year. That's great. <laughs> Uh, all right, I'll give you this one. What uh, what got you more hyped up as a player, you personally, making an incredible play in the field or hitting a bomb? Um, you know, because I was notably a defensive player, yeah. I, I, what I try and tell people is that momentum is not just offense. Momentum can be defense as well, and I prided myself on being able to create momentum from a defensive standpoint. I think that that's um, that's one of the things that made me stand out. I, I, I use defense as a way of, of changing momentum. And you did. Yeah. And it worked. All right. My next one, you know, this is something not very many people get to experience, but in 2002, when the Olympic torch was making its way to Salt Lake city for the winter games, you got to be a torchbearer. Yeah. Like where does that rank in your life? How cool was that moment? That was way up there too, you know? And, uh, you know, I had no idea, but I think it speaks to, you know, where your place is in a, in a city when you're one of the people that is asked to run the torch, you know. So that was a real honor for me to have the opportunity to do that. And uh, that ranks very high. I get me nervous carrying that thing around, too. Right. You're talking about the first tee at Tahoe. Carrying that thing around got to be pretty high on the nerve meter, wouldn't it? It was. And, you know, all of the um, the excitement that is created and. You know, people are yelling and screaming as you're going down the street. And that's that's one of the special moments in my life. Yeah. One one misstep and a little fall down and that's going to live on the Internet for forever. So you did a good job. You avoided all that. All right. Here's one for you. Give me the one other celebrity golfer that you enjoy beating the most. Celebrity golfer that I enjoy beating. Well, any you got a rival. Well, any I don't have a, a, a golf. Well, I have a, a football buddy that I play with all the time. I, I beat him so bad. No, it's a, it's just terrible. I can remember the first time that we played. Uh, his name is Willard Harrell, and he played for the um, Green Bay Packers and the and the St. Louis uh, Cardinals. 
I can remember the first time that we ever played, we went to the same barbershop and he had the, the barber ask me one day, he says, tell him I want to play golf with him. So we ended up playing golf and he, he won $20 off me. And on the way home, he passed me. Well, he had me sign it. And on the way home, he put it on his forehead. And I told him, I said, you know, <laughs> one of us is going to get better. And uh, now I all I do is throw my clubs out there now. And I, 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 I beat him on a consistent basis. Signing the 20s is a solid move, though. You know, that way I can be, oh, this one's yours right here. This one you? I like that. Yeah. All right. You and Kurt Warner walk into a restaurant in St. Louis. Mm. Who's getting a table first? Long line out the door. They notice that you and Kurt Warner are there. Who's getting the t first table? It's good. No, we're going to sit together. <laughs> That's not an option in this the question. The whole restaurant's <laughs> open, actually. Uh, no, you know, uh, Kurt was, um, you know, was, was certainly a, a big part of um, the sports scene here and uh, uh, with the, 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 the greatest show on turf. Um, that created an excitement that uh, we will never forget. As a matter of fact, I was at an event the other day that uh, Dick Vermeil was there, and, uh, and that brought back some wonderful memories. Those guys are very, very special. And and Kurt now, I think, lives in Los Angeles. You know, but I, I guess I, I I rule the roost right now in 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 St. Louis and uh, and stuff. But he was he and uh, his wife have done some wonderful things. Continue to do some wonderful things here in St. Louis. That's awesome. I think they're both getting tables. Yes, they're both getting tables. Or else the place is closing up, if not. All right, I had my last one for you, Ozzy. I was going to ask you some backflip stuff, but we kind of already talked about that, so I'm going to audible here. I think the play that – I mean, it's considered one of the best defensive plays in the in the history of baseball was your play as a rookie, as a Padre, where you were diving, you laid out like fully airborne and then went back and caught it barehanded, right, and made the play at first. It's unbelievable. Is, is that your favorite play that you've ever made? And if not, what is? Um – yeah, I think that was a play that, that really kind of put me put me on the map. But keep in mind, I, you know, on that particular play, that's not something you practice. It's it's one of those things that gets back to what we were talking about from an instinctual standpoint that I did as a kid from a, that that becomes very reactionary. Um, my glove hand was gone, so the only other thing that I could do was reach up with my bare hand, and I was lucky enough that the ball was stuck in my hand. I was able to scramble my feet and and throw the guy out. You know, one of the toughest plays for me has always been one to where you have your back to the infield. And I think a couple weeks later, I had a play in San Francisco where um, the ball was popped up and I looked out and the outfielder was going back, but the, but the wind was blowing the ball back in. And I had to run, seemed like for three days, and I ended up catching the ball over my shoulder, Willie Mays style and, and, and stuff. And I, I thought that was a pretty good play. And and then the other one was another one with my back to the infield where the infielders coming in. And we always had conversations about if, if in fact we do get in no man's land, if a ball is hit in no man's land, that if I dive, I'm going to dive and my body's going to go right. And if you dive and your body goes right, the only thing will hit is arms. If, if, if there is a collision and Kurt Ford, who was able to slide underneath me, remembered that. And so his body went his body went right from the left field side and my body went right from the infield side. And we were able to avoid the, the contact. And I, I made that play. And those were probably the, the top three plays of, of my career. Do you ever just go on YouTube and type in Ozzy Smith greatest plays? Because I did that yesterday and it's it's fun. 
<laughs> and it's not me making the plays. Brings, I think I do it every day. It brings back a lot of memories. And I, I guess when I mean, you know, to talk about double plays, and that was always fun because that was improvisational. Um, there's one play in there, and I don't know if you saw this one, but Lenny Harris was running. And Lenny was one of the um, – yeah, I think it was Lenny Harris. He, he was with the Dodgers at the time, and he was good at breaking up the double play. And so there's a bullet hit. He's running on the plate. There's a bullet hit, one hop to the second baseman, Luis Alice. He flips the ball to me. Well, instead of just catching it like this, I just used the, the, the bag as a springboard. And so as he rolled and came up, thinking that he had me, he looked around and go, what? And where'd he go? You know, so the, my, that's where my basketball um, uh, skills came in at that particular time. I just kind of used that as a, as a springboard and, and jumped over him and, Turn the double play. So cool. Yeah. All that stuff as a kid, yeah. jumping in the sawdust. There you I go. Love it. All right. Last one, Ozzy. You know, two of my favorite sports movies of all time are Major League and Bull Durham. And during those movies, you get to see how superstitious baseball players are, whether it's Joe Boo or women's lingerie that the pitcher might be wearing. Did Ozzy Smith have any crazy superstitions? No, you know, I think we all uh, we all know about uh, Wade Boggs and chicken and everything. My, my go-to meal was hamburger helper. You know, mm. When things weren't going well, if I could get me a, a bowl of hamburger helper, that would uh, usually get me on track and, and stuff. But as a baseball player, anything that we did the day before, if you go out and you have a good day, you try and remember all of the things that you did the day before. And you try and repeat that until that wears out and something else comes up. Let me give you one bonus question since he just asked that. Best baseball movie ever made? Field of Dreams. Okay. okay, good. I like it. There's a lot of good baseball. Yes. They probably Base do the best job of all the sports no making doubt. good movies. Other ones, there's a few here and there, but baseball got a lot of them. Yeah, it's it's that that movie there touched everybody because you know a, a dad and a, and a son playing catch is is where it all starts in the backyard, you know, and uh, that that's a very important uh, part of 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 what we do and uh, sharing that those special moments with the kids. No yeah. doubt. Well, Ozzy, this has been an absolute pleasure, my yes. man. We really, really enjoyed having you on. All right. Thank you guys for having me. All right. Well, that was the great Ozzy Smith joining us on Golf Subpar. I mean, first off, you mentioned 15-time All-Star, 13 straight gold gloves, World Series champion, and obviously one of the toughest sons of bitches around sitting outside in St. Louis when it's like 38 degrees to do this interview. Post-workout. Yeah. Still going. Still going. I have... Of all the shit that happened, we got into it at the very beginning there. It was like when he came, I first got drafted. It was like, I want 10 grand. They were offering, Tigers were offering 8,500. All right, we're talking $1,500. A lot of money in back in the day. Season. Of course, but 1,500 to get what turned out to be arguably the best defensive shortstop in the history of baseball. Bad move there. And then he comes back the next year for a little five piece. But if I'm a Tiger, you know, owner operator at that time, I'm like, yeah, maybe it was worth the extra 1,500. Uh, for sure. Possibly. But it's cool. I, I would love to, you know, we've had George Brett on here talking about what he thinks he would make in today's game. I mean, Ozzy would make a gazillion. He said he made $3 million his last couple of years. I mean, that would be he'd be a $30 million kind of guy. I know he's, his offense wasn't quite as great, but his defense made up for it. But he was so much fun. I, I was very curious about the what number is higher, his jersey number or the amount of holes in one he had. And, oh, my God, the man's shut out right now. we got to get him over that jersey Goose. number. Goose, that's one of those things you can't buy. No matter what you've done, you need one. He'll get – he's – I was surprised, actually, when he said that because, like, you know, we've – Four handicap. Played tournaments with him, seen him around. I figured, you know, you get 
one, okay, you know, whether or not you can even hit it or not. I figure that that'll be coming. And he plays tons mm-hmm. of golf, so I got to think that's coming. But yeah, pitching the shutout right Tough, now. Right. Yeah. I also like hearing him talk about like old days, like take a pitcher out throwing a no no in the sixth or seventh. Ain't happening. Ain't, no, but guess what? I'm going back in now with all the analytics and shit. I mean, it's just like all the other athletes, you know, as they get out of their sport, like, yeah, it's softer now. And it's true, I think, pretty much across the board. All right. Well, let's get to some gambling here. We went one and one in our football picks. Philadelphia Eagles are freaking good. They absolutely smashed Mark's New York Giants. Mm, um, tough look, Marky. Yeah. Sorry about it, guys. Uh, your Broncos, Broncos lost. You bet the under. And, <laughs> and they scored for the score. first time. It was 27 0. I was like, I was like, well, uh, KC's going to hit the over by themselves. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, we started playing football for the first time maybe all year. Uh, Is that what that was called? It got close. Dude, we went, what, 28 unanswered? Uh, something like that. And then Russell goes down with the dome shot. Um, but we lost again. So bad news. We're officially mathematically eliminated from the playoffs. You so that late playoff playoffs. run that I thought we were heading towards, um, no, no, sir. All right. Well, let's, uh, let's make a pick. Try to give him a winner as we're going out here. I'm going to stick with the NFL. I think, you know, the Miami Dolphins are starting to struggle a little bit. We saw them struggle against the Chargers this past week. The week before against the 49ers, which a lot of people struggle there. Miami's kind of warm this time of year. I don't know how well they're going to adapt going up to the freezing cold of Buffalo. Okay. Buffalo, minus seven against Miami. Book it. Did you see this past week, Buffalo? Didn't look like my ideal conditions. Oh, my God. Some of those dudes from Miami. Remind me when, like, the Hurricanes, Miami Hurricanes, would go play Boston College late in the year, and every dude had, like, the whole face mask on, like, uh, nope. I have no interest in being up oh in Buffalo. God. I don't know how you catch a football when your hands are, especially from Josh Allen, when yeah. your hands are frozen like that. I'm going to stay in the NFL, too. I'd rather go the college football route. I feel like that's where I have my most success. But the bowl games from now until next week, not the greatest. I'm going to go with um, the 49ers, who are – playing football right now even with brock purdy in there they went in and just stomped they didn't win in they stayed at home and stomped the the bucks but they're catching they're giving three and a half over the seahawks so i'm gonna ride the hot hand i think 49ers are like i want to say they're sneak because they're obviously on the radar but that's a that's a quiet i guess non-favorite super bowl pick right there yeah they're i think they're one of the top three favorites in the in, in the nfc for sure it just depends you know how serious debo samuel's injury is but brock purdy looked fantastic that was impressive to go up against tom brady i know he's not playing against him but he's on the other sideline the goat the guy he probably looked up to his whole life and says that's who i want to be mr irrelevant the last pick in the draft and goes out and plays one of the probably the best game of his life his 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 family was in in the stands his dad caught you could see him tearing up how great his son was playing that was such a cool moment yeah tom brady by the way gave out more than 100 tickets most tickets he's ever had for his friends and family for a game ever Got out there and that thing was that thing was done quick. Eek. Sorry yeah. about it. Tough All right. Break. Well, hopefully we can make you some money. But like I said earlier, this is our last show of the year. We get a little two week break to refresh. Come recharge back strong the body maybe in a little bit. Yeah, we got to recharge the, bar- the body. We've been getting amongst it, but just want to thank you all so much for all your support. All the loyal listeners out there, this this is so much fun for us. This isn't work. We love coming in here, getting on the mic, and having fun speaking to y'all. But can't thank y'all enough for all the support. I mean, every time I'm walking down the fairways out at a PGA tournament, y'all are yelling, "Get amongst it!" Subpar. Wear sleeves. 
I said, we it's don't let him question. out of his cage very it's often. We do not let him out of his cage very often. He's back in Scottsdale behaving. But uh, really, really appreciate all y'all. Yep. Thank you guys so much for all the listeners out there. Have a great holiday season. We got some good stuff lined up for the new year. Possibly some some big news coming uh, yes. when we come back on the mic uh, early in, in January. But thank you guys so much for listening. We love it. We're going to keep, uh, keep these things coming and uh, have a great holiday season. Yep. That's going to do it for us. We'll talk to you in 2023 on Golf Subpar. Bye.